and getting ready to crank that puppy up and get things going. And then the power comes back on. So I was like, hey, sweet, power's back on. Come inside, get all the snow off me, take all my layers off, get my boots off, get back in bed. As soon as I get under the covers, I'm like, oh, man. Ah, it is good to be back in bed. It's 2 in the morning. Time to go back to sleep. All is well. Then the power goes off again. <laughs> Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories, and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. Did you know that, according to research, only about one-third of the prospects fundraisers like you get thrown on their caseloads are truly qualified? And even fewer are actually ready for your outreach. Think about that. If you're like most, two-thirds of the leads you've been getting are not really qualified to be on your list. Sure, they might have given in the past and their wealth screen ratings might be high, but if they won't accept your outreach, what good is all that research anyway, right? It's a serious problem, but there is a solution. And you can find it in Greg Warner's book titled Engagement Fundraising, which you can get right now at no cost whatsoever at imarketsmart.com forward slash free book. That's right. You can learn how hundreds of organizations and thousands of fundraisers are succeeding in today's era of fundraising climate change by grabbing your free digital copy or audiobook version of Greg's very popular book today. Get it now. 100% free. Engagement fundraising at imarketsmart.com forward slash free book. That's imarketsmart.com forward slash free book. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to One Visit Away. What a week it has been. Uh, finally, after the conclusion of the snowpocalypse here in Texas, I am back in my house. Uh, this is the second night back here um, after four nights away uh, due to not having power at our house and uh, glad to be here. This episode uh, is going to be a little different than most episodes. Don't have a guest this week. It's a solo episode, but it's also uh, there's going to be stories in this episodes in this episode, but not about visits. Uh, it's just going to be stories about what happened this week and some other stories from my life that I think are pertinent to major gift success and I think have a lot to do with some things in this industry that I feel pretty strongly about. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're enjoying One Visit Away, please go and leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Uh, it really helps a ton in getting the word spread. Also, uh, go to my website, onevisitaway.com, to download the three tips that I have to help you start scheduling more visits and asking for bigger gifts. I've got a PDF for free download there. Um, so go download that, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks so much for listening. All right, so this week I've got some interesting thoughts to share with you guys. One of the things I've noticed is that uh, several times people have reached out to me, people who listen to the show, enjoy it, um, they wind up uh, scheduling a phone call with me, and we wind up talking and one of the things people will tell me is thank you for saying some of this stuff that uh, that some of us are afraid to say in the industry because uh, a lot of it just having to do with things that I challenge 
about the status quo, about what's reasonable for major gift officers to be doing and just challenging people to, to do more. I have said it before. I think the status quo in the nonprofit world is incredibly low. Um, go listen to my sales versus major gifts uh, podcast episode and posts about that on LinkedIn. And I hope to kind of, I, I hope to, I, I, my goal is not to offend anyone or to get anybody upset, but I want to change the way that people think about their job and their role and realize that they're capable of so much more than what uh, maybe the other people at their organization say they're capable of. Like if your boss is telling you, yeah, just just try to get that one more visit uh, you know, th- this year, you know, if, if you could have seven visits this month versus the six you had last month, that, that would really be something. Or, or actually, you know, re- really, we just try to have one visit a week around here. You know, that's, that, that, that would be really impressive if you could get that done. Maybe that's your boss. And so what I'm here to do is to get you to challenge the way you think about your role and realize you can do so much more than what many people uh, I think in this industry will will tell you. So, this episode uh, might possibly ruffle some feathers, but I hope it helps you um, by realizing that maybe things don't have to be the way that you've always uh, thought that they should. And so, the the first thing I'm going to say about this is I'll just give you a quick recap of what this week has been like for me. So. Like I said, there's no guest in this episode. It's just me. I was supposed to have a guest, but had to cancel that because uh, we lost power, had to move out of the house, um, and it was just kind of a chaotic week. And so I'm recording this Saturday night and getting it up to you for Monday. But uh, what happened? Basically, well, Monday at about 1.30 in the morning, we lost power. Um, and just for all of you that don't know who are you know, live in the north or somewhere and you're like, oh, those silly Texan people, people in the south can't handle a little cold. Um, It's nothing like what you experience up in the north. I I get it. People here, uh, you know, yeah, I grew up in New Orleans. Now I live in Texas. I've been in the south my whole life. Uh, Cold is is not something that I like. Uh, That's true. But our homes are not built for this kind of weather. Weather are uh, systems of, you know, how deep we bury pipes, uh, how we produce an electricity and keep it from getting frozen over and inoperable is just different here because we don't get temperatures like this. So it's not just people are freaking out because it's cold. Uh, we're just, <laughs> we don't, uh, build things for these once in a hundred years kind of experiences. So, uh, yeah, it was a crazy week. Um, lots of catastrophes for many people. We had pretty minimal, um, you know, negative effects, I guess you could say. Um, although we had a little bit of damage, um, things things weren't that bad for us, and so for that I'm incredibly grateful. Um, but one of the things that surprised me, so like Monday, one thirty in the morning, we lost power the first time, and they were starting these rolling blackouts. Uh, you know, intentionally shutting off power to certain uh, areas so that they could conserve energy um, and the system wouldn't be overloaded, I guess. And so we experienced the first one at one thirty in the morning. I didn't know it was a rolling blackout. It was just power's out. You know, it's 20-something degrees outside. 
and um, I needed to get the the house from freezing. Yeah, so I needed to make sure we had power. So I go outside. It's snowing. It's coming down pretty hard. I go get the generator, and I'm getting ready to crank that puppy up and get things going. And then the power comes back on. So I was like, hey, sweet, power's back on. Come inside, get all the snow off me, take all my layers off, get my boots off, get back in bed. As soon as I get under the covers, I'm like, oh, man, it is good to be back in bed. It's 2 in the morning, time to go back to sleep, all is well. Then the power goes off again. (laughs) Shortly after is when I realized they were doing these rolling blackouts. So this happened several times. Get up, get the generator going, and then the power comes back on, and... It's just a fiasco, and starting at about, I guess, I guess after the, the third time that the power went out, it was no longer just a 30-minute outage, it was hours, um, so we went for, I think, about three hours that time with no power, power came on for a couple hours, then we lost power for about 10 hours, um, and then I don't remember all the increments from there, and uh, yeah, we <laughs> moved out moved in with some some family nearby and fortunately they never lost power and that was a great blessing um but yeah the the first thing that i realized i'm i'm, I'm sharing this with y'all because the first thing i realized when uh you know when the power went out that first time and i won't go into all the details but basically when i when, when i went to go get the generator i was like man i am not prepared for this like I am mildly prepared for something like this to happen, but like not having power for close to a week is not something that I'm prepared for. And just being able to, uh, you know, get power back on for the family um, and be able to, you know, take care of them, I'm not as prepared as I should be for that. And so I just immediately started thinking, what am I going to do to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future? What am I going to do to ensure that if something like this happens again, and let's say we didn't have power for a week or two weeks, we would be completely fine and wouldn't have to leave our house and can run everything as normal. Um, And so I've started making preparations for that um, because I don't want to be a burden on anyone else. And uh, there's no reason that I can't uh, do that. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. And that's, that's all I thought about it. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, I, I was not prepared for this. So I am going to change that so that this doesn't happen to me again. And additionally, so that I can help other people, like the more I'm prepared, the more I can help other people like our elderly neighbor, like maybe she needs a place to stay. And if I can have our house rocking and rolling with, uh, you know, full on electricity and power and help other people, then let's do that. And, and that was my reaction. Now, compare that to, I, you know, obviously you get on Facebook in uh, in times like this just to see what's going on. And it just, I could not believe the number of people who uh, started placing blame on this event on other people. And it's like, look, I, I get it. It sucks. The power went out. It shouldn't have gone out. It was a terrible thing. Um, and, and I'm not... There's a lot of people who probably couldn't 
have really done anything. They don't have the means to make, you know, preparations to buy a generator that can power their whole house and do that whole thing. And so, so I'm not, I'm not talking about them, but there's a lot of people (laughs) that I saw that are like very wealthy who have the ability to, to do all this kind of stuff. And, and they're, they're just placing blame on either the Republican party or the democratic party and this and that, and it's this person's fault, and it's that person's fault, and we've got to do an investigation into this, and oh man, I can't believe, like, and it was just freaking out, and everybody trying to place the blame on somebody else, you know, and it's, you've got one political leader who could have done something about it, who's saying, well, we're going to go, you know, look into this person because it's their fault, and we need to make sure this doesn't happen again. My point is, it is always so easy to place the blame on someone else. No one wants to say, this was my fault, I screwed up, and I am going to do things differently in the future to make sure that this never happens again. Now, what in the world does this have to do with major gifts? Well, I think it has a lot to do with major gifts. Um, there are many people in this industry. I mean, I I don't know if I said this on another podcast, but... Um, I've met several salespeople who have been fired from their sales role. And when I was talking to them about it, uh, they told me, yeah, I got fired. I wasn't doing my job as uh, I was asked to. I wasn't performing at the level I was supposed to. And so I got fired. And that was the right move. And I, yeah, (laughs) it was my fault. I screwed up. I have never heard someone in the nonprofit world say that ever. I've never heard a professional major gift fundraiser say it didn't work out in this position because I screwed up and I didn't do my job. It's always the board's fault. It's always the executive director's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. And I think one of the keys to success in major gifts is what Jocko Willink would call extreme ownership. Jocko Willink and Leif Babin to Navy SEALs wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. And it's basically about when anything goes wrong in your life, blame yourself. Assign the responsibility on yourself. And I think that is critical for major gift fundraisers. Um, I I think there is a (laughs) gigantic lack of ownership in the nonprofit world. Um, And I'm going to talk about that a little bit here. And this might make some of you a little upset, and that's fine. Uh, If if you just want to say, no, that's ridiculous, it really is this other person's fault, Kevin, I get it, but go read Extreme Ownership. If you really think this is, you know, horrible, trash, and I need to shut up, tell me how stupid this is, and if you're open to it, I will uh, mail you a copy of the book because I think it's very important for everyone in this field to read, to understand, and to live. And basically, this is the premise. It's like, look, there are always things that probably everybody in a situation uh, could do that they screwed up on. Like, for example, if you look at, um, if you look at your marriage and you say, uh, you know, hey, you know, me and my spouse, we had a fight, you can... Every time you have a fight, you can say, well, let me think about all the things that my spouse did wrong because they really did do the wrong thing, and now I'm going to tell them about it. That doesn't solve anything. 
you definitely did things that led to that fight and made it worse. And so extreme ownership would say, no matter what happened, I'm going to look at what I did to contribute to this problem, and I'm going to associate the blame to that. And you know why that's helpful? Well, one, because that's the only thing you can actually change. You can only account for your actions and what you do and your attitude. And ultimately, you're the one that's responsible to change them. So if you're always pointing to someone else at the problem, all you're going to do is spend your life whining, and you're never going to actually find solutions. And I think this applies perfectly to working in major gifts. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be difficult times. You are going to have a bad boss. You're going to have an annoying board, whatever. There's not going to be the right materials. And all of that may be true. But until you say, the reason I failed in this position is because I failed. Now let's look at that and see what we can do differently next time. Until you start doing that, you're just going to keep moving from job to job and it's always going to be somebody else's fault. If it really was the case that your executive director was bad or whatever and that was ultimately what led to your demise... Extreme ownership would say, well, I was the one that accepted that position. I didn't do a good enough job of vetting that executive director in knowing what I was getting into. And look, that might seem harsh to some of you, but that's the reality. Is that until you start recognizing that you are the problem, that I am the problem, anytime I encounter something that doesn't go right, I try my very best to say, what did I do to contribute to this problem? And, and take ownership of that. And, and the other thing about this that makes it so important is, uh, man, I can't tell you how weak and pathetic you look uh, in front of your team when every time something goes wrong, you blame somebody else. You blame some circumstance. Oh, it's COVID-19. Oh, it's this economic situation. Oh, it's the, the whatever. Oh, we didn't have these materials. You need to take responsibility. Every time that you place the blame on somebody else, all of your colleagues are saying, why can't they just admit that they screwed up? That might be hard to hear. I don't know. Maybe some people are going to freak out over this episode, but that's just a reality. If you don't believe me, go ask any of your coworkers. Think about it. Think about your leader. When they tell you something like, hey, we're not giving bonuses this year. I know I told you you were getting a bonus, but we're not giving bonuses this year because our, our, our top donor decided not to donate this year, so we're in a bad financial position. It's his fault. Does that make you look up to your leader? Do you feel like inspired by them? Do you feel like they're telling you the truth? Or does it just look like they're passing the blame onto somebody else and won't take ownership. Nobody likes that in a leader. And everybody can see right through that when you're a major gift officer or raising money for some organization. If it's always somebody else's fault, people aren't going to trust you. Versus if something goes wrong and you just unequivocally say, this was my fault. I screwed up. You know why I didn't raise as much money as I said it would this year? It's not because of 
all these factors that are outside of my control. It's because I didn't have the discipline to schedule visits with enough people. And then I didn't, because I didn't schedule enough visits, I also didn't make as many asks as I needed to. I didn't put myself, I didn't give myself the opportunity to make the asks of people I'd built relationships with who cared about our cause, and so I didn't hit the goal. Now, why was it that I didn't schedule those visits? Well, uh, I don't know. There's some reason you didn't do it. Find out what that is. Accept that it was your fault. Share it with your team, and people will trust you. When you do that, people will have incredible trust and respect in you because they know that you're not just trying to always pass the blame on somebody else. Nobody likes those people that are always passing the blame on others. And so you, you've got to learn this. I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but you've got to read Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. It will change the way you look at your career, at your life, and every situation that doesn't go right because things are, not, things are going to go wrong in your life. And you can do what most people do, which is just always blame the circumstance, blame other people. And that makes you feel good because, hey, you don't have, you, you, it's very comfortable to say somebody else is the problem. It's very uncomfortable to admit I am the problem because that requires you to do something instead of whine. And that's a challenging thing to do. So those are my thoughts for today. Uh, very different episode. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy week for me. And a couple things I'll say in terms of extreme ownership. I don't have a guest for you guys this week. And it is not because of the the ice apocalypse or whatever you want to call it. It is because I did not make proper preparations to have interviews recorded ahead of time so that things like this wouldn't be an issue. That is something I've realized through this. I need to have these things done ahead of time so that I can have a, an episode out every Monday with a guest, or if it's going to be a you know solo episode, at least it's planned that way. And so that's one thing that I have learned was my fault. I can't attribute that to some other thing. I mean, I can. Of course I can. This was a massive, uh, catastrophic event for many people. Um, but that doesn't help me get better to blame it on that. Things like this are going to happen. There are going to be more things like this over the next you know, several years that I'll be doing this podcast that are going to interrupt my schedule, and I can't rely on everything going according to plan. I need to make preparations so that this doesn't happen again. There's preparations I need to make with our house and the ability to generate electricity in a pretty significant way that I need to change. I screwed up on that. Of course. Could the state of Texas done better? Of course. Are there all kinds of things that could have done better? People to blame? Sure. But it doesn't do me any good to focus on those. So I'm focusing on what I can do to get better. And I challenge each of you to do and I challenge each of you to do the same thing. So those are my those are my words for this week. Go get that book Extreme Ownership. I hope it has a positive effect on your life. I promise you, start thinking about what you did to contribute to your own failure. We're all going to fail. The thing that's going to separate you from everyone else and is going to make your colleagues look up to you and is ultimately going to allow you to go to sleep at night knowing, 
I did my very best is when you can look at yourself first, look in the mirror and say, what did I do to contribute to this problem? And that is what I'm going to focus on because you can focus on that and you can make serious, significant changes in a matter of 24 hours that will have positive impact for your organization, for your benefactors and your beneficiaries. If you're always talking about what somebody else did to screw it up, there's really, for most of us, unless unless you're the you know president and CEO, there's probably not going to be much you can do about that. So even if it is somebody else's fault, who cares? If you can't do something about it, focus on yourself first. Figure out what you can do to change the problem. And again, guys, I'm not saying that other people don't contribute to failure. Obviously, that's the case. Please do not hear that I'm saying you are the reason that you have always failed in everything you have ever done. But what I am saying is when you do fail, first look at yourself. What could I do differently next time so that, the, so that this doesn't happen again? And when you start doing that, when you start taking that extreme ownership, you'll be able to make significant changes. The people around you will respect you a lot more and be able to trust you because they know Bob or Sue is not always going around my back saying it's my fault for all their problems. So go ahead, do that. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. That was a Kevin Fitzpatrick solo episode of One Visit Away. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, go connect with me, Kevin Fitzpatrick, on LinkedIn. Uh, You can also go and leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps tremendously in allowing the show to grow. As always, go to my website, onevisitaway.com. Download the free guide I have there, the three tips I've used um, that'll help you to start scheduling more visits and closing larger gifts. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If it's inspired you to schedule more visits, let me know. Send me an email, kevin at onevisitaway.com. Feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. And please personally share this with other development officers and major gift fundraisers. So guys, go out there and schedule more visits. After all, you're just one visit away from growing your mission and your impact.